All right. Well, let's get started. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to uh, the book of Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. About two-thirds of your way uh, through, you'll find it. Uh, we are... Uh, last week, we started uh, this journey through the book of Jonah. And, and what we're trying to do... Uh, he's just back there. It's cool. Um, but what we're trying to do here is we're trying not to minimize the book uh, as to just a story of a guy and a fish. Uh, that's typically when you say, hey, I've heard the book of Jonah. You just say, isn't it about a guy and a fish? And our pursuit is to make Jonah much more than that, uh, is to understand uh, as we walk through these words together that we get to see something incredible about God. Uh, we get to see something incredible about his pursuit for his glory. We get to see something incredible about his mercy and his grace and his love that we get to reflect on this encounter between a man and a fish and then what the guy does afterwards. And we get to say, how great is our God through that process? And so, uh, to catch you up, uh, last week we just dealt with chapter 1 of Jonah and I know some of you are like, oh, well, I thought that was all there was to the story of Jonah. Nope, there's three more chapters, uh, each of them packed with some powerful things. Uh, but, but to catch you up, God will tell uh, the prophet Jonah to travel to the city of Nineveh, uh, which was an Assyrian city, uh, and who at the time are the greatest enemies of the Israelites. Uh, they were a torturous, murderous kind of people. And, and the task before Jonah is to walk into what they, he would consider enemy territory, uh, to warn them of God's wrath, uh, that unless they repent, God is going to end them. And, and what we're going to see is uh, Jonah is not a fan of this plan, uh, mainly because uh, his hatred for these people was larger than his, his love for God. Uh, but, but instead of going east to Nineveh, he decides to go west to Tarshish, uh, which, always, again, I, can, I always feel weird about saying it, um, if there just wasn't an extra H in there. Uh, or they, maybe we'll just say Tarshish, uh, and the other middle H is silent. doesn't matter. Here we go. Um, anyways, he decides to go the opposite direction, fleeing from the presence of the Lord. He ends up in a boat uh, in the city of Joppa on its way to that other city that starts with a T, uh, we'll call it Springtown because that's where God doesn't want people going. Um, and so when, when God, he's on a boat, he goes down into it, he goes to sleep, uh, and God sends a storm that threatens even the most seasons of, of seamen. And so uh, they are worried. They're each praying out to their own gods. And, and so uh, they finally wake Jonah up. He can't pray to God because he knows he's being disobedient. He refuses to. But he tells them, hey guys, the problem is me. I know. So he says, the problem is me. He says, if you'll just throw me overboard, all this will be okay for you. You will be in safety. And the, 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 the mariners say, no, we're not going to do that. They try to row hard. We said they would probably be able to make it except for their rowing against God at this moment. Uh, and finally, they relent. They pray to God, please don't hold this against us. They toss Jonah overboard uh, where it says the storm stops, right? And then the uh, seas start to work themselves out. And uh, then it says that the Lord appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. 
And that's where we left it. That he will be in this fish for three days and three nights. For three days and three nights. And this is kind of where we pick it up, uh, where, where chapter 1's theme uh, was rebellion, the rebellion of Jonah. Chapter 2 is going to highlight uh, Jonah's redemption, which is going to come through a path, okay? And we need to realize this, that most of the time in life, when you're going from point A to point C with God, there is a point B, okay? So in order for Jonah to get to redemption, uh, which is where we will find ourselves today, Jonah will be redeemed, uh, he is going to go through the path of repentance to make that possible. And so typically, actually I would say typically, all the time in our life with God, when we are in rebellion against Him and we want to seek redemption with Him, the means through that process is called repentance. Okay? And so, so this is where we go. We're, we're going to go, uh, we're going to have the privilege of seeing God answer Jonah here. And through this, we're going to find ways that he answers us in our most stressful, most painful of circumstances. So, so let's pray and then we will get going. Father, we come to you and we are very thankful and mindful of your presence in this room this morning. I pray that we would be able to see your mercy in these words. I pray that we would be able to hear your voice in Jonah's cry. Father, we leave the miracles up to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. We can learn uh, a lot through, through Jonah's experience. And I think uh, this is one of the most important reasons why God gives us His Word. Uh, that, uh, that in it, we can see through the victories and the defeats of those who have gone before us. That we can, we can look at somebody's life. And tell me if you don't do this with your friends. Uh, when you see them in a circumstance, you lean over to your spouse and say, Oh, well, I would have never done it that way. Right? Uh, this, is, this is how we get to approach the Word. That we get to see through the defeats of others, okay, a warning on how to do things differently. And then we get to see in the victories of others a, way, a path to doing it the right way. And so, and so for instance, if, if last week you found yourself uh, in, in a similar... If, if you found yourself in similarities of your life in the footsteps of Jonah, uh, perhaps he gives you this story at this time to warn you about when God calls us to go do something, that his expectation is that we would be able to do those things. Uh, and so, or that maybe, uh, maybe we would realize that when God tells us to do things, it's not just for the benefit of us, but it's for the benefit of others, for the glory of, of himself. And so, uh, and then maybe possibly, as I tell you those things, that you say, God is telling me to do something, I have decided I don't want to do those things or I don't want to do those things yet that, that possibly the warning of a storm uh, would, be, would be very helpful. And so uh, either way, God gives us this encounter to teach us something incredible about His mercy. Uh, and we're, we're going to see through Jonah's experience and God's movement uh, that there are certain realizations that Jonah will have uh, in this circumstance. And so... Uh, this is highlighted this morning by by following prayer of Jonah's. Uh, and it, it's simply this. And we'll start in, in chapter 2, uh, and we'll go in verse 1. It says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from, now where? The belly of the fish. Okay, yes. And like Heather's making the face that all of you are like, yeah, I don't think that would be a good place to be. Um, 
But he prays from the belly of the fish, saying this, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he, he did what? Answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. So that's the fish's name. No, it's not, but it makes sense, right? Um, Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Okay? Yet, I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the root of these mountains. And I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, who? You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake uh, their hope of steadfast, what? Love. Those who regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish. This is verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. That's the way you're supposed to say it. Anytime you read the word vomit in the Bible, it has to be like you have to almost vomit that word out. Right? And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out to dry land. And so, so as Jonah is having this experience, he's, he's coming to a realization. He is in the belly of the fish and he is coming to this realization with God. And it's almost a step-by-step process for him. Uh, and what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to highlight those steps. And then we're going to talk about what God uh, has been doing all throughout this. And what we're going to see is through these words is that the path from rebellion to redemption takes you right through repentance. Uh, and that's what this is. This is the psalm of Jonah is merely a, uh, a prayer of confession. Uh, and so for Jonah, there's, there's five things that he does which takes him through repentance. So when I say repentance, I mean that you would uh, confess and then you would turn away from your sin. And then when I talk about redemption, I'm talking about being restored uh, for being active in the story of God. Uh, that God would, would use you. He would say, okay, I'm going to restore this for you, and I'm going to put you back into the story of God. And so, so you can follow along in your talk notes if you notice there's a lot of things to write down today. Uh, if you get carpal tunnel syndrome, just um, complain to Swan about it. So... All right, so the first thing he does, that, that number one, Jonah prayed uh, for God's help. Jonah prayed for God's help. And now here's what's interesting about it, is most of us, given the circumstance, similar circumstances in our lives, he's the last one we go to, right? Especially when we know it's, it's our fault, or when we know we're disobedient. I'm just, I'm not going to. But Jonah finds himself in this situation now, after living in this fish for a couple of days, He's like, I have to go to God. I have to cry out to Him. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And this is what I love about it, that, that God is still called the Lord, his God. That just because Jonah has turned the other way doesn't mean that God has done so. And he says this in verse 2, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, out of 
my distress, he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Now there, there's considerable, uh, there's a considerable conversation about when Jonah prays these words. Um, uh, and really it doesn't matter because the results are still the same. Uh, some believe that he's praying this as he's going down into the sea. Uh, some believe he's been in the fish. I tend to believe that uh, because I like to read it literally, uh, that, that he was in the fish for three days. Then he prayed those things. Uh, but, but Jonah's prayer, here's what we need to know, that Jonah's prayer is born out of affliction, not affection. You with? That this isn't a, oh God, you are so great and I love you and I have the warm fuzzies and I'm just, I'm so happy to be around you. No, he's, he's in a desperate situation and he starts to pray these words. He cries out to God because he is in danger, not because he's delighting himself in the Lord. And I think that serves as a, as a testimony for our prayer lives. That sometimes it's easy when we get to sing words that in our hearts catch up to those words and we just say, this is how incredible you are. But then there are other times when we are in such danger that we just say, I'm just crying out to you. Just crying out to you. And I think better we should pray compelled by any motive than to not pray at all. Any motive. And so, so out of the belly of Sheol, which is it's a reference in the Bible um, for the grave uh, or the underworld. Uh, and so this, this reference, this is what he's saying. It, it, he's saying, I, I was at the point where I was at the point where I was furthest from God. From, from that place where I was miserable, where I had no way to contribute, from, from the pace, that place where I was helpless and desperate and afraid and hurting, from, from what felt like hell to me, I called out to you. And I think some of us can relate in your story. Maybe you're there now, maybe you've been there where, where you say, okay, it was all breaking loose. Everything was falling apart. And in that moment, I cried out to my God. And not only did He hear me, He answered me. Not only did He hear me, He answered me. And I pray that that would be a place that you could be at with Him. That you would understand that He doesn't just hear you, that He answers you. And so, Jonah, Jonah called on God after he basically said, you know, no, I don't want to do that. Just, just forget you. And still in his mercy, God answers him. Number two, Jonah accepted God's discipline. Jonah accepted God's discipline. For you cast me into the sea, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All, whose waves? Your waves. And whose billows? Your billows passed over me. Passed over me. Now, the mariners, uh, they, technically, they were the ones that threw... Jonah overboard, but this is what he acknowledges in, in God's discipline. He says, this was you. You did this. You threw me into these seas. You threw me into your waves. You threw me into your billows. You did those things. He acknowledges that God is disciplining him. In fact, Warren Wearsby put it this way, and you could write this to the side if you'd like, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11 he says, according to Hebrews 12, 5 through 11, we have several options. We can despise God's discipline and fight. We can be discouraged and we can faint. We can resist discipline and invite stronger discipline, possibly even death. Or 
We can submit to the Father and mature in faith and love. Discipline is to the believer what exercise and training are to the athlete. It enables us to run the race with endurance and reach the assigned goal. The fact that God chastens, uh, chastened His servant is proof that Jonah was truly a child of God. And that's, I know that sounds weird, right? But, but if you're a parent, I think you can respect this, this process that you don't... You don't discipline your child because you're angry with them you're disciplining your child so that you can bring them up so that they can make the right decisions and they can do the right things so so for god disciplines only his children but if we are and this is what it says in verse 8 of that uh, passage in hebrews but if you are without chastening of which you will all become partakers then you are illegitimate and you are not sons and the father chastens us in love so that afterward we might enjoy the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And so, so here's the thing. If God throws Jonah overboard, lets the waves overtake him, and just ends him, that's not a loving father. Now, does Jonah deserve that? Absolutely. But God's commitment is for his glory and his mercy. And so he decides to bring Jonah up. Number three, Jonah trusted God's promises. Verse 4 says this, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look to your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. It was getting dark, and yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And when my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you, and then he says this, into your holy temple. Into your holy temple. And now, now here's what we know about Jonah, right? His life was going in one direction and one direction only. It was, he was going down. Right? Everything he was doing was going in that direction. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the sides of the ship. Now he was going down to the bottoms of the mountains. And at some point, this great fish met him. And then he went down into the, the belly of the fish. And, and I think when you turn your back on God, there's really only one direction you can end up. And that's down. It's, it's only down. And so what, what saved Jonah? And this is, this is what Jonah says. is my faith in God's promises. So my faith in God has saved me. So the question is, which promise, right? There's a ton of them. There's a ton. And this promise that involves looking toward God's holy temple is, is, is important. Okay? Because when King Solomon, in, uh, in, in, in 1 Kings, uh, when he was dedicating the temple of the Lord, this was the first church, uh, first big building church. This is when the Israelites thought, oh, we're a real church now. Uh, I remember when we were starting Merge a couple years ago, and we were meeting in a, uh, in a banquet hall that if you were driving past it today, you probably wouldn't even recognize it. Uh, you're like, oh, I guess that's there. Um, and so I remember our first year, we, we, we were spending time talking about, hey, it doesn't matter the building, it matters the people, what God is doing with those people in that community. Uh, and I remember uh, sending out like this um, survey at the end of it, and the number of people that said, well, once we're a real church in our big building, uh, we'll be able to do all of these things, right? And... And so I, I remember this moment for First Kings when, when now the Israelites were big boy people, 
uh, and they had a church uh, real with brick and mortar and stuff. And if, if, it's a fascinating uh, process from when God decided to allow them to build this temple. Uh, but in this process, uh, Solomon, as he's dedicating the temple in Jerusalem, he asked God for this special favor. And this is what Jonah is connecting his heart to. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 8, 38 through 40 says this. Whatever, this is what Solomon is praying. Whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing the affliction of his heart and stretching out his hands toward this house, because that house represented the presence of God. He said, Then here in heaven, your dwelling place, forgive and act and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only know the hearts of all the children of mankind. That they may fear you all the days that they may live in the land that you gave to your fathers. And so, so Jonah is going back to this promise this prayer of Solomon saying, hey, if I just reach out to your holy temple, I can reach out to you. I can find you there. And so Jonah claims this promise. By faith, he looks towards God's holy temple, which at this point, the only place he can look is up, right? He has just continually found himself going further and further and further down. And he asked God to deliver him, and God kept his promise. He answered that call, and he says, I remembered the Lord, meaning I acted on the basis of his commitment to me, not my commitment to him. Because my commitment to him has been very wavering. So I'm going to act on the basis of his commitment to me, of which I can stand firm, because he doesn't lie. His promises are true. Number four, Jonah yielded to God's will. It says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake uh, their hope of steadfast love. And this is what he's saying. This is me. This is what I did. I, I pursued idols and I forsook his love. I just removed myself out of that equation. He says, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice. And I love that, but I. He says, this is the turning point for me. This is what I'm doing. He says, I will, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is this realization that Jonah is having. And he admits that there were idols in his life that were robbing him of God's blessing. And an idol is, is anything that takes away from God the affection and the obedience that rightfully belongs to him. And so, so one such idol that we'll find out uh, is, is Jonah's intense sense of patriotism. Uh, patriotism, not patriotism. Tism, right? Patriot. Um, and so, so he was so concerned for the safety and the prosperity of his own nation or his own neighborhood or his own house or his own family he was so concerned about their safety, their protection, that he said, no, God, this is a bad plan. I'm not going to do it. And what we're going to learn from chapter 4 is he's also protecting his own reputation uh, because he knows. This is something he's going to tell us, and I love this. He'll, he'll tell God, hey, listen, I knew that if you, if you sent me there, that they'd repent. And part of this idol is his own self-worth. That he didn't want to be called a false prophet. He didn't want people to repent 
And then, they, then them look at him and say, Hey, Jonah, I thought you said there was doom and gloom. I guess not, because that didn't happen. And so he says no, but, but he realizes in this process something that he's forsaking. By living in this manner, he's forsaking the steadfast love of God himself. I mean, it's, what, what a crazy thought to begin with, right? That, that I can cry out to God and that he would hear me. But that then that I would do things that would take me out of experiencing his steadfast love. It, it's an incredible thought and it's a warning to us all that, that he's choosing the lesser idol than, than the great security of being known and loved by God. And so this causes a decision. He will, in thanksgiving, sacrifice to God. He will do that. And the New Testament says it this way, that, that it is by the grace of God that you are saved. This is God's decision to rescue me. So it's for the grace of God that you say it's never, ever, ever by our own works. The way that way, because you would brag about it if that was the case. Um, it's the gift of God that comes through Jesus. That, so salvation comes from the Lord. And when you recognize that, when you recognize that it, the cost of that salvation was high from God, that He would send His Son to rescue us. Um, that's why this is great news, and that's why that's the best gift ever. And Jonah recognizes it's only from you that I'm saved. It's only you. Number five, Jonah found God's redemption. I love it. And we'll, we'll talk about this just in a moment, too, because this, this can be a little confusing to some of us. But, but Jonah found God's redemption. Verse 10, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Vomited him out. So, so Jonah... His story doesn't end in the belly of the fish. Even though, right, if we're reading it from our pious position today, because we don't sin and we don't struggle, and anytime God tells us to do something, we're like, absolutely, not a problem, right? Because that, that's us. But if we're reading the story of Jonah, we're like, yeah, he deserved that. He deserved to be tossed overboard because who would choose not to do what God has told him to do. He deserved to be tossed over. He deserved to, to be in the waters as the seaweed is wrapping around his neck. He deserved to die there. He deserved to be swallowed by a fish to prolong his misery. And then he deserved to wither away in there. Maybe, maybe y'all don't think that, but I'm like, yeah, that, that's true. We are in the hands of a holy God, and the fact that He is merciful to us for even a nanosecond is incredible. So, but his story doesn't end there. God, God appoints this fish to carry Jonah to the exact place that, that God wants Jonah to be for the exact purpose of His glory. And so there, there is zero coincidences when it comes to God. Zero. That, that granted, Jonah could have probably chosen a different means for transportation, but remember, Jonah's fleeing from God, and if he had his way, he would have lived in rebellion and regret the remaining days of his life. He'd have lived a fraction of the person that he could have been. But God has reclaimed him, He's repurposed him for a life that's worth living. So, so just, just like he does with us in Christ. So, so let's, let's talk about the great things that, that God does here for Jonah. 
uh, in this chapter. And this is, this is what God does for us. So, so if there's a thought that I would prefer you to be able to take away today, okay? If, there's, if you say, okay, what, what, did the, what did the pastor talk about on Sunday? This is what I always do with my son. I'm like, hey, what did y'all talk about in Merge Kids? And usually it's stuff. Um, uh, what did y'all talk about? Stuff. I'm like, well, what kind of stuff? You know, stuff. And, you know, that's the pastor's kid, so I have no idea what they're telling, what your kids are telling you. But, but if you walk away and somebody says, what did y'all talk about? This is, this is the take-home thought that I pray you would, would cling to. That you would realize that God answers His children when they cry out to Him. And you say, man, that's, that's so simple, right? That is so elementary. Surely that we can chew on something a little bit deeper than that. But no, no, no. This is the story of Jonah. This is the story of most of the Psalms. This is, these are the promises of God that when you are in delight and in despair, you can cry out to me and I will not only hear you, I will answer you. Okay? So for us to not utilize the practice of prayer is foolishness. Because He has brought that to us. He has made that available to us. We get to speak to God in boldness, Hebrews will say, because we have Christ as our prophet, our priest, and our king. He serves as our mediator. He makes that conversation possible. And so God answers His children when they cry out to Him. And so so here's some things, some pointers I want you to know about, regardless of where you are at today. Because today you might be in great shape, right? You might not have... have you might not have any regrets right now. You might have confessed all your sins this morning. And you're like, clean. For now. But here are some things that I want us to be able to understand. That God answers us in spite of our guilt. God answers us in spite of our guilt. That Jonah was not on his way to Nineveh when he fell overboard. He was running from God. He was guilty of disobedience. That's why he was in the water. So, so some of you are in trouble right now precisely because of your own disobedience. I say that in love. You say, I don't know why this is happening to me. There's a good case. And this is Jonah's realization in chapter 1. This is, this is my fault. I've been disobedient and I am being disciplined. But I'm being disciplined for my good. And if you're wondering, is there hope in that? Will God have mercy on me? Will God hear my cry of dis- distress, take heart from Jonah? Because this is the boat he was, well, this is the fish he was living in, right? That's a, that's a dad joke. You're welcome. Um, his distress was the fruit of his guilt. But God answered him and gave him another chance. That, that number two, God answers us in spite of his judgment. God, God was angry at Jonah's disobedience and he was going to require correction to get his heart back in the right place. And I suppose nothing makes us despair in our distress like the thought that, that, that God put us there because he was angry with us, right? Uh, and, and I guess most of us might say, if, if God has put me here in this rotten situation... Uh, because he's displeased with me, and then there's no point in even praying for his help. And I'll just tell you, that's a lie of the enemy. Satan will whisper that into your, into your ear so that you will remain further and further and further away from God. 
Okay? So, so, but Jonah ventured to pray for deliverance from the very God who threw him into the water. And the God who threw, them, threw him in heard his prayer, performed a miracle to save him. The, we said this last week. The, the fish might not have seemed like the miracle at the moment. But it most definitely was. Most definitely was. Even when God is displeased with us, He never brings us into affliction merely for the sake of punishment. Okay? He's not an abusive father. And I think this is why so often we, we misunderstand His motives in our lives because we've heard stories or maybe we've lived in the regret and the pain of having an abusive father. And so our reflection of our earthly dads become this reflection of who God is. And that's not the case because there's not one motive of Him that is sinful, that is broken. Not one. And so, so His purpose always includes redemption, even in discipline. Job 36.15 says it this way, that God delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. That adversity is redemptive, not merely punitive. Okay? I find this is an incredibly wise way of, of approaching parenting. That, that my intention here isn't to punish you, it's to train you. Okay? And so, so even if you felt as though the very hand of God is against you in your distress, don't hesitate to call upon Him because He answers His children in spite of His own judgment. Number three, that God answers us in stages, not all of which are comfortable. God answers us in stages. Now, we, we must get out of our head the all-or-nothing notion of answered prayer, right? Because that's what we think. How often do you pray to God and you give Him two options? And one of them's really good, and the other one is, just in case He is wondering, you'd like to avoid at all costs. Right? God, I don't want this to happen, but I really want this to happen. Pick one of these two. Right? That That's... Th- that's not just my prayer life. That's, that's all of ours, right? And, and so we have to get out of our head this notion of the all or nothing um, notion of answered prayer. That we can be fairly sure that when Jonah cried out to God, he didn't say, Oh God, if you could only put me in the belly of a fish for three days. That's a great idea. Let's choose that option. But yet, in fact, I think probably he was saying, God, save me or end me quickly. He says, no, God, I, I'm cast out from your presence. Have mercy on me. And God, God's answer comes in these stages. The belly of a fish hardly seems like salvation, but it was. It was. That, that Jonah, but, for, but it, Jonah's granted enough consciousness to realize in this prayer that he's been spared from drowning and that there is a glimpse of hope. Just a glimpse. He, he doesn't complain about his surroundings, at least not in the prayer, right? He accepts God's first stage of salvation as a guarantee of dry land, that you, I've clung to your promises, I cling to your promises, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And he can't do anything. These things that he's vowed, he can't do in the belly, right? So he says, these things I'm going to do with thanksgiving, I'm going to declare those things. Because salvation belongs 
to the Lord. So don't disregard the partial works of God. If He chooses to save and to heal by stages, He has His good purposes, and we ought to be grateful for any improvement in our condition. That, that, that a fish's belly is better than the weeds at the bottom of the sea, even if it's not yet dry and secure land. You with? Like, that sounds good right now, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a, like a thought that's put together. But we need to remember this in the moments of our distress, when God is rescuing us. And we say, ah, I kind of wanted it the other, a different way. The next one. God answers us in order to win our undivided loyalty and thanksgiving. God answers us in order to win our undivided loyalty and thanksgiving. According to verses 8 and 9, the answer to Jonah's prayer has produced a powerful effect, right? It has filled Jonah with wonder that anyone would forsake the Lord and keep idols. He says, that's foolishness. He says, why, would we, why did I do that? Why did I take that step? Why did I choose the idol and forget about the steadfast love of God? The love that takes me through every moment of my life. Why would I take a step out of that for just a second? And so he, he and, and, and then he says, that, that God, I'm sorry, I'm going to learn to read right now. God taught Jonah that if you leave the Lord, you leave mercy. And he's filled Jonah's mouth with thanksgiving. God answers prayers in order that thanksgiving will abound to his glory, which means that the people who have a spirit of thanksgiving are the best candidates for answered prayer. You with? No? Okay, that's fine. I'll just say it to myself. That, that Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, points us in that direction. That God answers, though, with those who have cheerful hearts. God says in, in Psalm 50, uh, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Because all of God's answered prayers point back to Him. Okay? So, so God doesn't answer your prayer for whatever that is, no matter how small or how large it is. God doesn't just answer that prayer for the benefit of you, though you do benefit from it. He answers that prayer so that when people see your life and they say, what happened there? You say, God did that. That's who He is. He is faithful to me because He has said, I am His kid. Let's start wrapping this up. The last blank. Okay, and this is, this is important because I think this is the larger, this is one of the larger themes that run all the way through the book of Jonah. That God answers us in our guilty distress to help us become merciful like He is. Jonah is learning this really in a difficult way. That, that God answered Jonah in his distress. Right in his disobedience, he answers him so that we can, so that Jonah can look at the rest of the world and say he is merciful. This is my story. That's the role of the witness, right? I'm just going to tell you the story from my perspective. And in this case, Jonah looks and he says, "I was running away from God." Now, what has God told Jonah to do in Nineveh? To tell the people, "Hey, 
you've turned away from God. You are, you are doing things that are evil, and God says, don't go in that direction any longer. And this is Jonah's story now, isn't it? That he gets to go to Nineveh, and he gets to say, listen, listen, God told me to come to you. I went the other direction. And in his mercy, he didn't end me. And I think we're going to see this played out over the next two weeks. But, but, but this is all throughout the gospel of Jesus, that, that the believers would show mercy. They would offer forgiveness because they have been shown mercy. And they have been offered forgiveness by God through Jesus. That, that nobody is beneath you. And Jonah is helping us see this this morning, that God shows mercy when we least deserve it to teach us a lesson about how we best walk in the light of His salvation with a world that does not understand mercy at all. Because their ways are self-seeking, and their ways are petty, and they don't deserve it. This is the boat Jonah's in. I don't deserve that mercy, but God offers it to me. And so he'll need to turn around to the rest of the, to Nineveh and say, let me tell you, I didn't deserve this, but God gave it to me and he's offering this to you too. So when we are busted, God comes in and he doesn't sweep away the guilt. He forgives it according to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. That's, that's how we wear these words today. That, that God sends Jesus to take our payment. Therefore, that guilt's not resting over us. It's not charging us any longer. It's in His discipline that God helps us understand how large His heart is for us and for the world. That we are people of mercy because we've been changed by a God of mercy. So this is what I want us to, to understand. That no matter where you are at today, you can call out to God. No matter where you are at. No matter what you are thinking in this moment. No matter what lie you're trying to convince yourself of, that you are outside the grace of God. You are not. That is true. That you can cry out to Him. Some for the very first time ever. Some for the first time in a long time. And some that are continually speaking to Him. That's always available to you. Secured by His promises to you. And that He loves you so that you can love others. All those things are true. And I think all those things are easy to forget. But they're always true. I love you guys. Our desire this week is to love God by loving people. Please stand with me. As we wrap up, we want to make some things available to you. Uh, Mark and and Heather and uh, Kim, they're going to be up here. If you need prayer, we want to pray with you this morning. I think that might be, I'll just be honest, I think that might be the most underutilized uh, thing that we have here on Sunday mornings. There's power in prayer. There's power in hooking up with one another and asking God to perform miracles. That maybe if 
you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that today would be your day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are merciful to us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you are the God worth worshiping. And I pray that no matter where we are at right now, we would understand the path that you've made available to us to to be able to speak with you through Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.